Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 190, I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. And I'm Brent Wingate. And this week, uh, Homo Superior celebrates Pride Month. Uh, yay, Pride. Uh, we'll have a whole bunch of comics because we took off a week. And also we got the start of the Hellfire Gala. Warner has a merger. Netflix has a flop. Sandman gets some casting, and there's a bunch of other news items. Also, you know it, you love it, you've missed it, but Clark's got it. It's something. Watch out. And of course, we'll talk about the brand spanking new Eternals trailer. Uh, before, but first, before we get into any of that, uh, we've got a new review of Castlevania season four up featuring beloved guest Katie Ozog and the newest episode of Vicky and Kiana talking more is available on Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Vicky and Kiana talk about Black Widow, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and of course themselves. Please watch it because I need the views to feed my soul. I'm not kidding. Please watch it. Go to at Homo Superior Podcast. I, I will feel so sad if I do not get enough views for the amount of time I put into that shitty fucking production. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, it was the hardest thing to edit. All right, it's the start of Pride Month. Um, and Homosphere is going to have a ton of terrific content on all of our social channels. Uh, that's Homosphere X on Twitter, and as I've just mentioned, Homosphere Homosphere Podcast on Instagram. Uh, we're going to include our favorite queer characters, creators, and couples, and we're going to have uh, Pride-themed cocktails all month for Bar Sinister. So uh, check out those. Um, I want to do a little Pride question, you know, because. The, all of this Dawn of X, uh, you know, start in the storyline has offered up a lot of interesting questions about mutants place in the universe. And Krakoa itself kind of exists as this defined space for mutants, um, which have always represented like minority communities with the goal of equality and safety. And for us, Pride Month is kind of about celebrating the struggles that we've had to go through and the achievements that our community has made to carve out its own space um, in a world that's largely defined by cisgendered, heterosexual, white normativity. I'm curious how you guys kind of see some of the ways that Krakoa uh, portrays, you know, the ongoing story of queer equality um, well, and, you know, some of the areas where you think they might fall short. Kayla? Um, so I, I, I actually love the analogy of queerness uh, for, you know, in all the X titles. I think it's always been there. And when it started, you kind of had like, you know, Professor X and the X-Men on like, they're the good ones. And you had Magneto and the Brotherhood is the bad ones. And um, it was, um, you know, with Professor X, it was like about, and the X-Men, it was more about like cohabitation, you know, integration, all that kind of stuff. Um, with the Brotherhood and the Magneto, it was more about domination uh, and saying the only way we survive is by, by subjugating Homo sapiens. Um, and uh, with Krakoa, you kind of have like a, I don't want to say a middle path, but and it's because it's not really splitting the difference. It's almost like a new path. And it, I kind of view it in the way that like, I think, you know, a lot of queer people have sort of viewed themselves, um, you know, specifically like me getting, me coming out like in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, it was really about like that kind of, we just want to be accepted. You know, if you think about like Will and Grace was really big then, 
Um, you know, you started seeing more and more like queer characters in like mainstream TV, mostly as like side characters, almost like comic relief, the best friend type. And it was more about like, hey, look, we're just as normal as you. It was what I call the human rights campaign, sort of like, you know, offensive of like changing culture uh, and changing hearts and minds through that. So things like marriage equality became the norm uh, where you have like, you know, people like my aunt and uncle, you know, who were, you know, like, I think casually homophobic at one point or now asking me when I'm going to get married. It's that kind of stuff. And now like with younger- The answer people, is still never. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and now you have like a lot of like younger queer people or like just queer people in general about like saying, you know, like just like kind of uh, rejecting this no the normalcy that has been imposed upon us as queer people. And even some of it's been self-imposed a little bit of saying like, no, like we need to embrace like our heritage. We need to embrace our queerness. We need to say, you, you know, like the, the adage, like the first pride was a riot uh, with what happened in Stonewall in 1969. And I see that sort of analogy happening with the X books right now uh, with, with, you know, specifically Kokoa, where you have, you know, we'll talk about this more about the Hellfire Gala, but like you have the other heroes in the Marvel universe in the 616 basically saying, I hope you guys know what you're doing. I'm a little nervous about this island. You guys have a little bit too much power. Like I can see straight allies, some straight allies kind of saying that. It's like, hey, I've been there with you as an ally and I feel like you're getting a little too militant for me. Uh, and so I think, you know, this is not completely a uh, smooth comparison and it's, you know, it's got its flaws, but I generally like the direction it's going in. Brent? Well, yeah, I think about the, the power a lot because, you know, there is this background notion, I think, for a lot of people who've maintained power that, you know, there's a lot you would have to own up to if you weren't uh, the person who was, you know, kind of wielding the stick. And there's the fear that, like, I know what I did when I had power. What will they do to me once they get it? And this you know, kind of elevation for mutants as a whole to be able to say, yeah, we exist in this geopolitical universe now that we never did. You have to come respect us. Um, for me, I think it, it's, it shows we, we don't have like the full levels of conservatism expressed. Maybe we do in, in the real world because, you know, we don't have this imbalance of power. Um, but I like that it's a very important feature to how, you know, like even people who are your allies might view you, like the Avengers. Clark, did you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, um, I've been thinking more, more and more about this. Uh, to me, this feels now like you were a bully who beat up some like, you know, poor skinny kid in school. And now that skinny kid has grown up and like you, he, you work for him. It feels like that's what humans are now to mutants, almost in a way, you know, the Shi'ar, you know, bowed and said like, you know, congratulations for taking over your planet. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, 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 I don't, it, 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 thinking of it through this gay lens now, it makes me nervous that it's like, maybe the straights should fear us kind of way. Cause these, this is clearly not a healthy situation. This is not like hooray gays. This is, um, hooray um, empire that's going to crumble at some point and is seemingly dangerous and we'll see what happens it's not not a good situation it's an interesting situation it's not good I don't want I don't want I don't like the metaphor of you know this being gay rights anymore at all I don't and then doesn't work for me anymore 
Well, I do think there is. I, I, I think that's interesting because there's certainly a part any power is uh, susceptible to being abused. And I think that there's a lot of ways that they're already showing within this storyline that the Quiet Council is perhaps, you know, asleep at the wheel in some ways and not really paying attention to the wrongs that they're committing. A little uh, too are, quiet, are, maybe. Yeah, they're, they're kind of blatant about certain violations that just don't seem just. Um, and I think that, you know, that it, it can fall apart a little bit, um, especially when it comes to politics in the real world. But, you know, there are certain ways that I think like our own community has real toxicity, real bullying problems, especially when it comes to like the, you know, the often cited white, the, the often cited straight acting white wealthy gays who are kind of the center of attention when it comes to national discussions about the gay community and how everyone else kind of feels like a second tier to them. Caitlin? Yeah, I think um, both you and Clark raised interesting points. And I think in the X book specifically, that's why you're starting to see a little bit of a, uh, like a, a fissure happening within the quiet council with a whole new power base. Hopefully that's being created with Cyclops and Jean Grey's X-Men team with whatever Nightcrawler is doing in Way of X about like kind of exploring, you know, some of the inherent danger. We'll get get, get into more about this in X-Force, uh, the, the, the issue that came out this week about like what Beast and Sage have been doing and how problematic that was, um, you know, in the name of like mutant, mutant unity or in the, in the name of survival. And Brent, I'm glad you mentioned the whole thing about like, you know, um, specifically like the kind of like the alpha gays, for lack of a better term, you know, uh, utilizing their sort of power uh, and to like look down on people who maybe people of color, trans individuals, lesbians, bisexuals, you name it. Um, and it, I used to joke that like, it's almost like there was a generation of gay men that watched Mean Girls and they took away the wrong message from it and they all became the plastics. <laughs> You know, and it's like, uh, like you shouldn't be Regina George, you know, um, you should be Janice, actually, Janice and, and Damien. Like, they were the, the true heroes of, of that yeah. movie. Um, Janice, Janice is my least favorite character. I hate her because she's the only one who gets away with her, her bullying. She was a bully, too. She's a piece of shit. But she yeah, got away with no one else did. I hate her. I absolutely hate her. I hate, my takeaway was that everyone was basically a mean girl, uh, that there's a lot of toxic behavior that each of us has, but... I know that your point is lost, Kaylin. I think that you, picking the worst one is certainly not the right choice. Yeah. Um, Clark, any last thoughts? No. Great. Well, <laughs> my, last thought, my last thought is, uh, you know, the Avengers certainly could not handle the Krakoa fuck parties uh, in the same way that a lot of straight people cannot handle the kink of pride. <laughs> She-Hulk, She-Hulk could. She-Hulk and Thor both could handle it. And Tigra. Tigra can handle it, too. He's not one of the seven who was there. And that's uh, true, but yeah, a former true. Avenger, I should say. It just reminds me a little bit of that meme I think I shared on our Slack channel from, like, Star Trek Voyager of, like, some, like, alien princess going, like, are you guys friends? And, like, the Avengers going, yes. And, like, the X-Men going, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. All right. Uh, well, happy, happy Pride Month to everyone. Uh, we hope you come out of the closet if you want to. And if you're out of the closet, that you're doing great. <laughs> Let's do some <laughs> comics. <laughs> All right. So as Brent mentioned, we took last week off. So we've got a bunch of comics to go through. 
just as a heads up to uh, our regular listeners, uh, we are still reading many series like Beta Ray Bill and Black Knight, but we've decided we're going to review them once they're all finished so we can take a look back at the entirety of the story. So we're going to focus right now on the two X books from last week and then as well as the start of the Hellfire Gala this week. So last week, we had New Mutants number 18 uh, by Vida Ayala and Rod Reese. So in the book, uh, Jean and Danny fight it out in the crucible. So Tron, uh, Jean's brother, can have his own body when she dies and gets resurrected, rather than haunting her force ghost style like he has been doing. Uh, Gabby gets some advice from James Prodstar on how to talk to Anal, Cosmar, No Girl, and Rainboy uh, uh, on their body uh, on their body swapping ideas. The four don't take too kindly to Gabby trying to meddle in their affairs. So Rain decides to help her. And I mean, uh, by that, I mean, she's going to bring Gabby face to face with the Shadow King himself. And you'll remember from previous issues that he's acting like the serpent in the Garden of Eden for some of our younger mutants. Oh, and Ileana writes a report to the Quiet Council about how they need to train the next generation of, uh, uh, to not to be soldiers or students, but rather be citizens of a new nation. So thoughts on this issue, and I see Clark's Got a finger um, up, so go ahead, Clark. I thought, I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna say body yadi yadi swapping ideas because that seems like <laughs> did you forget? Uh, I, that's I feel that's an Adam thing, and Adam's not today, I'm not here today. So. Well, anyways, yeah. it's not my thing. I just I got confused. Um, <laughs> once again, and I'm gonna harp on it because I always do. Anal's written totally wrong, absolutely horribly off center. Yep, I'm going to chalk it up to being influenced by the Shadow King. I get that, but all other characters have are reasonable with it. They they yeah. make sense in their stuff. Like, although none of them have really had much voice, this character is yeah. totally. It's it would be. It seems like well, Rain is obviously not doing well either. But I don't know. I just can't. It's awful. I I, I hate the fact that the gay character in a book written by a queer creator is the horrible un unlistenable unwatchable annoying piece of shit one yeah i think that's a reasonable criticism i i love the rest of the book uh, i agree with that uh because i do love anal a lot um but um i i i know i know uh but i i i i just love this book so fucking much i just i think it's exactly what i wanted a new mutants title to be where it's not about a team it's about like just thinking about the next generation of mutants and all the challenges there. But um, Brent, you wanted to say something? Yeah. I mean, I don't have any particular fidelity to anal, uh, you know, as a character, cause I don't know much about him. This to me, you know, as an outsider on him feels fine. I can, I will totally chalk it up to the shadow King. Um, personally, my favorite moment was um, Gabby talking to, Jimmy, it's a it's a moment that requires no superheroics, but it's very well poetically said. It's uh, a great way for to show how elders and young people they're trying to train should be able to interact. There, it it has so much depth and emotional resonance. I can't get over how good it is. Um, what did you guys think of the fight? Because I thought that was I was kind of hoping that. Um, Oh, the wrong person died. Uh, I can't remember either of the names. <laughs> God, that was so <laughs> yeah, between Jean and Danny, you mean? Danny, yes, Danny dies. Yeah, and then yeah. they'd be like, "Well, we're going to kill her again next issue." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then they'd be I, like, "Oh no, we got the wrong person." 
I mean, I generally like it. Um, I feel like this plot's gone on a little longer than I wanted it to, but that's just like, I don't really care about Tran so much as a character. Uh, I do love Danny and John a lot. And I think Rod Reese um, is a phenomenal artist. We've talked about that before. And so I think he helped stage the, uh, the, um, the fight really, really well. Clark? I feel like the last time um, Karma had a story about her and not about not related to a family member was, I don't know, 1985. Like everything is about her brother or her younger siblings who don't matter and are just little, yeah. like, quips of nothingness. Or her during the um, what what was it X Factor? I mean X Men run, excuse me. Um, that Margaret Lou did, you know, with the North Star coming yep. out marriage one, yeah, marriage one. That was all about her sister from the Hachi something something Beedley Boo. It's literally like she's never capable of being her own self. It's always some sort of fucked up thing with a sibling. Um, that yeah. means I don't know why I'm being so negative on this because this is an amazing issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, but it. I just, I, and now we haven't seen Tran really as his own character. We saw him a bit during that because he popped out of her body for a little while. But I mean, he's a piece of shit. He's a really yeah. big, huge monster piece of shit. So yeah, he seems way too sweetness and light in this. Well, Meanwhile, um, I did like this issue a lot. I don't know why I keep saying all this stuff. <laughs> hey, it's okay. It's gonna be. It's gonna be uh, critical, even if things we love. Um, Brent, I also did love the Gabby and Jim, James Proudstar scene very much. My second favorite uh, scene was actually one of the infographics. It was Ileana's letter, uh, especially with all the typos and like the scratch outs. I, I thought that was a really nice touch. And um, question for y'all in the letter, she mentions that, you know, they're going to take uh, these younger mutants on some field trips. Where do you think, where do you think she wants to take them? I mean, to me, it sounds like limbo, but, you know, I don't know what's what's an exciting place to go if you live in this world, like where you could you can go anywhere you you could have you have a door that lets you go to the moon. I like what field trip do they need? Into the mind. Ooh, we're always in the I, think gonna, I think they're I think they're going to go. Well, the answer my own question, I think they're, they're going to go to space and probably like to Chandelar. Uh, and I think that's how they can. <laughs> reunite with like cannonball and sunspot yes smasher what if it's just disney world they're just like <laughs> like we gotta hawk disney properties i mean the and... only place <laughs> the only place that kind of deserves um to have um a, whatchamacallit a flower is disney world that's the only place i want to go to in florida i don't care about the rest of it yeah for sure uh, the other one i was thinking about is uh because danny's involved asgard yeah I mean yes sure yeah <laughs> all right I don't know. yeah um all right well why don't we move on to x-men number 20 by jonathan hickman and francesco mobili hope i pronounced that name correctly uh before we get into the issue just a quick plug uh remember to check out our special class x episode who is destiny uh we released it a couple weeks ago it ties in very very closely with this issue of the x-men so Mystique seeks out Forge's help in creating a weapon to take out Orcus, and what a MacGuffin it is. It's called the Microscopic Singularity Generator, which is just a fancy name for Little Black Hole Maker. Charles Xavier and Magneto tell Mystique, hey, we're not going to micromanage you on your mission, but if you succeed in taking out Orcus, we're totally going to keep our ward in resurrecting your dead wife, Irene, a.k.a. Destiny. 
wink, wink. Uh, and over at the Orcus Forge, Dr. Gregor has figured out resurrection herself by putting her dead husband's consciousness in the first version of Nimrod, who quickly figures out that Mystique is on their station posing as one of the Orcus guards. Nimrod splits himself in two, and the original deals with the singularity generator that Mystique set off, while the, the second one chases after Mystique herself. The one that handles the generator sacrifices himself, meaning that Dr. Gregor's husband is completely gone, but the duplicate survives. Mystique has failed in a mission because Nimrod is online in this timeline, and she's not getting Irene back, and to be fair, she never really was. The issue ends with Moira reading Destiny's Diaries that we last saw in Extreme X-Men. So a few questions for you guys. First, um, did this issue feel too much of like an echo to X-Men number six? And do you feel like Hickman is just repeating himself without offering a lot of new information? Brent? I don't think so. Um, I actually genuinely felt the terror of kind of Nimrod being online or this seem it, it really feels like a big deal in the way that the failure before you know wasn't necessarily as impactful because the world itself hadn't been as filled out um I think that the way that Nimrod has you know kind of come online and then does this weird phase thing to split up and only one half is like the human data half can survive is a little bit you know, hand wavy that I don't love, but even still as like, as far as like character goes, uh, as far as what it means for someone like Mystique, I, I thought it was a very, it, it had a lot enough payoff and movement that it doesn't feel like it's the same. Well, for me, I, um, I think the, the one scene that like kind of uh, saved the issue for myself was the very end of seeing Moira reading Irene's diaries. Uh, like the fact that she has access to them, like kind of as a game changer. Uh, and it, it's, you know, we get a hint at what the Hickman uh, series is going to be about, you know, later this fall. Uh, but the rest of it just felt, you know, it's like uh, Nimrod coming back online. We learned about that in like Hox and Fox, you know, uh, Mystique going on a mission for Charles and Magneto learned about that in X-Men number six, um, you know, Charles and Magneto, you know, saying that they'll never resurrect Irene. Moira says like, she cannot come back for obvious reasons. Uh, like we, we knew all of that and it just felt like it was sort of playing out stuff that we had already kind of read. And it just, it felt a little repetitive, not as bad as the two chapters in 10 of swords of X-Men that, that mm -hmm. Hickman wrote. That was basically the, the same art with like different narration to like, you know, to, to provide a different perspective on the, the background of Genesis and all that kind of stuff. But it, it's it, like, this is sometimes a problem I have with Hickman when I'm reading a stuff month to month versus reading it as a big chunk. I agree with you, Kaylin. Um, I, the only thing I really liked was the Destiny's Diary stuff. Um, that was quite a, a nice work, although we did see them in Chaos War X-Men, at least one of them. Um, oh, I never read that. Th there's no reason to. Um, I, I mean, we know I don't like Mystique, so I don't, really, I don't have to get in all of that stuff. The only thing I was wondering, like, what if Mystique had not failed? Like, how, well, not, we know they wouldn't have resurrected, but how would they have not, how would they have spun that? I think, honestly, I think if she had succeeded, they would have put her in the hold with Sabretooth 
and they'd have to explain like how they took a member of the quiet council and done that. I figured they would try and do like, they would kill her and just not resurrect her and say, we can't resurrect her because we don't know where her body is. Yeah. I think that's the only possible option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about the comparisons between Orcus and Krakoa, specifically Orcus now having a way of resurrecting people, even though it didn't quite, quite turn out the way that Dr. Gregor wanted? I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it's so weird to have a uh, satellite next to the sun. Like, it just, <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, guys. I don't, you, you couldn't you do this in a backyard or something? What difference does it make if it's, you know, right next to us, our star. Um, they're, they're okay. I, for me, there's not a lot about Orcus that I think is, has, you know, the creativity, the heart of Krakoa. Like, yeah, there are these doctors who have this personal relationship and one of them has died for this mission and then he's died a second time for this mission. But I don't have a lot of the lore going on in this storyline for me to like, feel like they're anything but just a, a kind of flat big bad Clark? um what issue was it that had all the redacted information about orcus um Ooh, i and, think you know, like the, the members yeah. of it and stuff they were all most of it was redacted i'm not going to care about these people until they show us some sort of information that people actually give a shit about being in it was it's, that in it's sword? Just a bunch of randos i don't care about it was in it was in house it was in house of x Okay. Yeah, Garrick. That's it. I don't care. I don't. I need something to grab hold of, not whatever this is. I did like the moment where, um, dude in Nimrod's body and the Doctor are like hugging, and he just randomly just goes, "That's a mutant," and like love that. Love that. Hugs, and he just uh, suddenly <laughs> disconnects entirely. Yeah, I, I thought that was funny. That was that was really good. Yeah, it was actually it, it reminded me of like a Wes Anderson movie, like in uh. I think it was in Royal Tenenbaums when, like, the Indian, like, house yes. servant goes, that's him. That's yep. that's him over there. Yeah. And I was like, it was so, it's like, I don't know why it reminded me of that, but. Um, that's hilarious. Uh, I did like the scene where the other doctor, whose name is escaping me, basically says, you know, they don't just hate us, but they actually fear us by trying to do this. They didn't, they were not, you know, the only loss we had was, you know, Dr. Uh, Gregor's husband's consciousness. We still have Nimrod. We still have the forge, um, you know. We're still going to be able to, you know, do shit to fuck with them. So um, I thought that was kind of a nice touch. I so liked just it, but one... like, clearly, clearly they fear you. I mean, I mean, that goes without saying. They've been doing this to them for decades. Yeah. So uh, we did get a little preview of what um, Hickman's going to be writing this fall. It's called Inferno. I'm assuming this is the Moira-centric uh, title that we were promised. Uh, I'm hoping it is. Uh, I hope it's not just Mystique just setting fire to Krakoa, uh, although I wouldn't mind that uh, either. But what do you guys think? I hope it is Dazzler and it's Disco Inferno, and they just haven't told us that yet. Ryan Krull is so happy somewhere. He's just so happy. Brent, what are you going to say? Oh, I don't have anything. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, let's, mo let's move on. What about, what about my head shaking back and forth this like No means i've got something to say we just oh, thought you were just i thought you were disagreeing with me oh no i don't have okay. anything okay well maybe you got something now because um we're gonna move into this week's spooks uh with the hellfire gala 
So Marauders number 21 by Jerry Dugan and Matteo Lali and X-Force number 20 by Benjamin Percy and Joshua Carrera, Cassara, excuse me, uh, which are, they're the um, original teams for both books. Uh, and we're going to talk about them in tandem because uh, there were a lot of like sort of Rashomon-esque scenes that happened back and forth between the two. So the gala has begun and all the major Marvel characters are in attendance. Emma Frost and Banshee get a reunion, which made me really happy. Uh, the Shi'ar have a gift for the Krakoans, crystals of some kind, logic diamonds, I don't know. The United Kingdom is making deals with Russia and Madripoor. Beast, who's truly a villain at this point, has been fucking with Terra Verde and its diplomats through the telephronics, telefloronics introduced back in X-Force number issues 9 and 10. Uh, essentially, the country is now docile and Beast and Sage are trying to get it to spread to other countries for the greater good. Emma finds out and tries to put a stop to it immediately, but of course, the telefloronic tech has been hacked because nothing can, of course, go to plan. Owen oh, Deadpool tries to crash the, Dalla, the gala, but Wolverine tries to stop him, and Domino ends up saving his ass because, of course, she does. So, thoughts on the gala thus far? Brent. Okay, all right. So, Marauders perfectly, and I think all these issues perfectly capture what it's like to throw a large fucking party for a bunch of crazy people because the <laughs> degree to which you're running around going, oh, hey, hey, crazy person who just embarrassed me in front of my friends. Yeah, I don't know what you're supposed to give me, but thanks. You pawn them off to someone. You've got these janky people who are like, maybe we should play craps in the fucking corner on a balcony. Like, guys, this is a fucking gala event, you know, class it up a little bit. Then you've got, and we haven't, you didn't mention them, but the Hellions, these, tra you, you invite your trashy kind of sketchy friend and then six of his sketchy friends shows up. <laughs> and meanwhile, someone is trying to conspire to like have a fungus take over half of your guest's mind. And you've got to shut that shit down all while looking flawlessly, all while changing into three different outfits and putting on entertainment. I love the the dinner party aspect of this so well executed kayla uh i i think what these books are trying to do is give us a guide of how society is going to be reopening because we're going to have these kinds of gatherings again we're going to yeah. be back in person and it's like remember how crazy this shit was back in 2019 well motherfuckers it's coming back but i completely agree with you i'll be on the deck playing craps <laughs> yeah, there's gonna there's gonna be some bitch walking around with a giant polar bear, uh, but her tits are out and she's got like an ice crown. People, you're are going that to bitch. Go nuts. You yes, are. I'm that Brett. bitch. <laughs> you're that bitch. I also want to say, <laughs> I think that the we were so right about how good these looks were originally because seeing them adapted slightly here uh, has not really fundamentally changed how I felt about any of them. With the lone exception of Christian Frost outfit, which is fabulous and gay, and I loved it. Yeah, I don't think we had seen that one before, but I, I thought I thought it was great. Speaking of him, did you constantly like? Does he constantly exude sexuality to you? I just thought he was gonna bang that that Shiar at any moment. Oh yeah, guy fucks. Yeah, yeah, totally fucks. Um, all right, so a few other questions. Oh, go ahead, Clark. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I like it. I, I think there's some confusing bits. I having trouble with. I had to go back and forth between the two issues, like page by page by page, because of um, the conversation between 
Iron Man and oh no, Quentin Quire, Quentin Quire, yes. Just the fact that like there were totally different conversations, but so I had to like leave, look. It makes sense if you literally put one page next to the other page, and then have to like figure out what slots into each spot. So it's a fine conversation because they're totally different. One sounds like they end happily, one sounds like they end furiously. So yeah. I'm not sure. What, I don't know. I don't know if that's good or not. That it has to be so regimented that you have to literally be taking panels apart to shove them together. Oh, I don't mind it. I don't mind it because sometimes I think it's all about perspective. That's why, like I, I said, Rashomon. It's just yeah. all about like how, like um, you know, the person who's viewing the conversation, like Tony Stark, is probably be like, "Yeah, hey, I'm here," and like when Quire is like, "This fucking guy with his fucking suit of armor, what a piece of shit." It's just that it, 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 it's not a conversation that makes any sense. Yeah. So uh, there are definitely parts. There are, there's a part in one of them that Danny starts talking to somebody and you know that's going to be in a different book. New Mutants, most likely. It's just like a random aside. She's saying to someone else, which makes sense just as a, you know, this is not what this is about. But those two are about that conversation. So give me the conversation in full. What do we think? I, uh, I don't mind it. Because it was impossible on comicsology, it was a pain in the ass. If I had both of my books in front of me, easy. Oh, yeah, that's fair. So a few questions for y'all. Uh, what do we think Reed said to Charles Xavier? I mean, I have no idea. You're a bitch bottom. Uh, that outfit <laughs> looks stupid. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, he, he stole the look of um, his alternate version, the maker. Yeah. Um, maybe said lost in translation was really good. I, uh, we all had like, we had a bunch of jokes, I think on Twitter about it, but honestly, I think what he said was don't fuck with my family ever again because of the stuff with Franklin Richards. Yeah, whatever. Well, he's not yeah. going to fuck with their family ever again. He's not a mutant anymore. That's true. Uh, that was quite the retcon in between some of these issues. Yeah, really. Um, Why do we have that miniseries if immediately they're going to retcon him? Um, so the go, moving to X Force for a second, you know, we saw Beast with the in stage kind of fucking with the telefloronic. That's a really hard word to say, by the way. Uh, Tech, who do we think hacked it? Yeesh, I have no idea. I'd have to go back and look at what the hell happened in those X Force issues, like number ten and everything, whenever it was. Yeah, I don't know. My guess would be like the grannies, but yeah, you know, you know what? Done. That's right. Oh, horticulture. I was thinking horticulture, yeah. and I was thinking Zeno because that like Zeno has been like that kind of terrorist oh, organization yeah. in in the, in the in the background. So was was anyone we haven't heard from that bitch in a while? Yeah. What would you say, Clark? Was anyone a bit concerned that when that the telefloronics ended up on that man's shoe or whoever's shoe and just kicked it up into that lady's vagina? <laughs> I, 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 I am now. <laughs> just yeah. like crawled up this woman's leg into her dress, and it's like straight up. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, folks, that's interesting. Yeah. The the telefloronics people to me are like when you invite the people at the party who are like, they're like gonna go out somewhere later, but they start doing Molly, and you're a little bit worried that they're getting too amped up for right now. Like, I don't need you to burst into a tree, dude. Go go take this somewhere else. At six p.m., we're just pre gaming. Yeah, this guy who's at the gala is this Jesus? Is Jesus at the gala? Uh, yeah, no, there it's was Jonathan. A... It's Jonathan. What's his face from uh, Queer, Queer, Queer Eye? Well, then I'll tell him. I'll tell him yeah. he looks like Jesus. Jonathan Van Ness. 
John the Van Ness, thank you. Yeah. He I'm would a bad gay for now, remember. Yeah, of course. One thing, yeah. one thing I was happy about was Emma's just drive to fuck someone. Like she definitely. Her being horny for Steve. Her being horny for Steve Rogers. So good. Like a, probably some nudes to, to Banshee to get him on board. But it doesn't seem like he's biting. Yeah. And then the fact that I love that she freaked out about Steve and then it, he looks, he thinks she's reminds him of his mother. Yeah. The thing about Emma, too, I did love is her like confronting Sage and basically like, if anybody finds out, this will destroy everything we set up. So you need to fucking wrap this shit up, back mm -hmm. it off. You know, I thought that was so good. Again, it kind of goes back to the question that Brent posed to us is like, there is this like fissure that's happening in Krakoan society where like Beast is feeling overly empowered to basically do whatever the fuck he wants. There's even that conversation with him and Charles saying, hey, you're not questioning me. You trust me, right? I haven't let you down, right? And Charles is like, no, you haven't. But like that, like that is some true villainous behavior. Mm -hmm. I that, do that, fuck, that monologue he had, that, that little diatribe of like, the, or this, the middle page notes of, you know, hypothetically, if someone could come down and then watch you and you'd feel secure, you would want that, right? It's like, fuck you. No, I don't want someone constantly monitoring me and everything I do. What if I want to do something shady? What if I want to do something wrong? Leave me the fuck alone, you, you blue psycho. Clark. <laughs> Beast, is, Beast is absolutely the fucking worst. Like, he's, he is evil. He's, he's a, he sucks. Um, I do want to say I forgot to mention in the um, no one wants to sleep with Emma Frost. But if you see you see um, Conan O'Brien in that one, is you looking at her when she's in her like tiny outfit? No, she should go straight for Conan O'Brien because he's interested. <laughs> uh, number two, I like the um, the connect the connection or the between um, Shade and Emma Frost just because of the fact that back in the olden days, um, Shade, did I call her Shade? Sage was the one who actually Sage. would try to, she was like the fixer who to fix everything, you know, that all of them would break all the goddamn time. And the fact that yeah. now she's joined up with beast bullshittery and Emma's the one who yeah. has to stop the complete nonsense is an interesting switchover. Well, Clark, you know, going back to beast for a second, I completely agree with you. Yes, he's a piece of shit, but this was my favorite issue of X-Force in a long time because mm -hmm. he was in it being an utter bastard. I think that's what this book needs is someone Machiavellian doing some like utter nonsense and like some shady ass shit that we don't that we don't agree with. So, so uh, I love the way that uh, Brent uh, described the Hellions uh, because um, they really are those like group of friends. Like you invite like one friend, he brings five of his friends. They're all terrible. They come and they drink your shit and they like you know bust up your table. Uh, so in Hellions number twelve. The only Hellions that were officially invited are Sinister, Havoc, and Psylocke, but that doesn't stop the others from crashing it, including a drunk nanny and orphan, orphan maker, excuse me, a feral wild child who is Aurora's old boyfriend, which I completely forgot about, who tries to beat the shit out of Dokken, Aurora's new and current boyfriend. And that's, we're basically now, like, caught up with everything that's happened in the gala. Um, did we expect anything less from the Hellions starting what was essentially a bar fight? There no, it's exactly what they do. Uh, one thing that's really important to talk about from the last issue, what do you think is going on with the the cuckoos and that bitch from the Hellfire Kids Club? Villa, 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 Villa. Villa. 
Yeah, yeah. the fact that yeah. they basically like is she another cuckoo? Is she secretly the daughter of somebody? This that has to be a huge thing that just popped in there. So they, yeah, they were talking about some hard truths or something. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I'm not really sure. But it's about like make her remember. What are you making her remember? It's got to be something important. And I want I want to know. Anyways, keep going. Um, nanny, nanny, nanny. Um, breaking a glass to rip apart poor sinister. Yeah. I just want to say that the character dynamics on uh, the Hellions is just so strong. I do not care that there was really nothing meaningful that happened other <laughs> than that they fucked shit up. It, 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 there's no arc. There's no, maybe, I mean, maybe with the exception of, um, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, Great crow. Wild, chi- wild child. Uh, uh. That, you know, I don't know how long it's been since those characters have interacted with each other, but uh, years. nothing nothing important has happened. And yet I'm like, this is a great issue. It's so much fun. Uh, I just want to see them do more of it. I did like Sinister and Sinister basically talking down to Exodus about like his cape. Uh, like he was definitely like, look how much more beautiful I look compared to your inferior outfit for the gala. This extra bitch just shows up trying to wear. He would he would show up wearing a white dress to someone's wedding, like oh for sure. Fucking chill the fuck out, girl. You are always extra. So, question for y'all: I was a little uh, confused at the end when it was like they're like out there supposed to be looking at fireworks. Clearly, there, there are none, but it's like uh, what I guess is like Quanon oh. is. Uh, is like making them see it through telepathy and then sinister says something and i just and the issue just ends i felt it was a little abrupt and i didn't quite get it but wanted to get y'all's take on it isn't that the other sinister yeah so i I I thought i don't think so is it i don't know the sinister from other worlds that like his head got chopped off or something and that it was reassembled in other worlds but that's not like uh, he's not doing well. It's either, they it's, playing, sorry, they were bringing up the fact that remember when Nanny comes up and she's like, "He's also a child murderer," and and he's like, "That wasn't my, that version of me. That was a different version." I I think that was kind of a push towards the fact that now there's this other version has popped back up again. They've been playing with multiple versions of him the entire, um, well, you know, since House of X. I think that's I, what they're doing with this again. I don't know. I I completely missed that. Then I I'm gonna look at the image again. Um, it did seem very. It was very. It, it was left thinner. This is me having to explain it to myself. Yeah, he's got the yeah. he's got the two line. He's got marks. the scar. The scars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like that's line that's marks. A li- that would have been that would have been quite quick to have scarred over in a, a two hour window. I you forgot I mean? the word for scar, and I said line marks. Line marks. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Anyways, uh, um, okay. Yeah. Um, Aurora and Wildchild were last seen um, in Weapon X with the whole Neverland um, concentration camp thing, but they were together Neverland. when they were together for the short moment that Wildchild was really hot, ah, and then he okay. broke up with her because he turned ugly again and freaked out. Um, two quick th- last things for me. Uh, love that uh, Orphan Maker is just drunk screaming about bananas, and what? also. How the cuckoos are like, yeah, wild child's nuts, but no one told him that his hair was gorgeous because it's gorge. Love it. <laughs> that back and forth with all the cuckoos was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. 
So we now have the opening salvo of the Hellfire Gala for the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about it uh, um, on our podcast. So that's been the comics. It's a news flash. Uh, so as you, the listener, probably have heard, Warner Media, which owns HBO, HBO Max, uh, CNN, a bunch of other properties, will be combined with Discovery to form Warner Bros. Discovery. Terrible name. The deal basically puts like all the control of programming under Discovery's discretion, but it frees them up from like AT&T, who will still hold like a 71% stake. It's a huge deal. Um, it's supposed to be co- completed by mid-year 2022, if it's approved. Um, but it'll also mean that there's going to be huge cuts, likely most of them from Warner Media, um, because Disney is going to be in control. And as a part of the deal, there's something like $3 billion in cuts that have to be made. Um, is it all too uncertain to make guesses about what this might mean for the content? Or are there some meaningful things we can say about this? Clark, any thoughts? I do not know in related content at all. Um, I mean, this is literally just changing hands from AT&T. So this is just, they're just divesting it. And this is all based on the fact that they were the, the whole doing all the movies on this on, has caused AT&T to freak out because they're not going to get as much money from the movies. So it's HBO Max's fault that this happened. Well, HBO and Max is always involved. Well. And that dude is getting fired for it. Um, HBO Max is probably not doing as well as it could be, but it is still doing better than it was last year. Yeah. Um, and um, they're part of this deal is a goal to try and get Warner Bros. Discovery. Right now, HBO Max is like 44, mil- 44 million subscribers. They want to get that number to like 400 million and also spend like 20 million a year, uh, which is about what Netflix does um, or is comparable to Netflix, not as much and way more than Disney Plus. To me, it's, it's a signal that like, they're definitely changing a lot of the content direction, but that they're not going to slow down as far as new stuff goes. I don't know. All I know is that Warner Brothers Discovery is a horrible name. It's a bad logo, too. It looks like it was designed in the 90s. Yeah. What would like be a, a worse name? <laughs> no. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, Marvel has announced that Donny Cates and Ryan Otley will take over the Hulk storyline, story and Al Ewing, Ram V, and Brian Hitch will helm Venom. The Hulk will focus on a radical new way. The Hulk will try to manage his anger, and the Venom storyline will focus on the story and mythology of the symbiotes uh, recast in the King and Black arc that just ended. Clark, will they just shut up and take your money? When I read the news, I just didn't read what they were going to be about because I don't care because I love both <laughs> creators so much. Like, I don't give a shit. I like the fact they just literally flopped two characters, I mean, two writers between two books I already liked. So um, I'm not going to have any issue with any of this. Should they just do that forever? Like, take Kate's and Ewing and just move them to character pair after character pair and have them flip right everyone? Caitlin. It feels very much like what Marvel was doing, you know, in the early 2010s, maybe mid 2010s. It's like, oh, this creator had a really successful run in this book and this other creator had this really successful run in this book. And let's just flip them and see what ends up happening. Um, like, you know, like Kieran Gillen ended up like writing Iron Man. And after him, it was Ryan Michael Bendis. And it's like, 
you have the like Marvel has these like stable of writers. And they're all really talented. Al Ewing, love him. Donny Cates, love him. Um, you know, and it's just like, oh, okay. I kind of predicted this was going to happen. So I'm happy for it. I, I want to read it, but I'm not like super excited and like, like a uh, person out of left field coming in and to write these books with the one exception of Ram V, who is a, uh, uh, he's South Asian uh, and he's been writing for DC. Um, and some of his books are okay. I haven't really like caught into them too much, but like curious to see like what he does with Venom and how he ends up interacting with Al Ewing. And the fact that Brian Hitch is involved, this guy does not do a lot of sequential art anymore. And he hasn't for Marvel in a very, very long time. He's a very talented artist. What do you guys uh, make of the actual content? Like, both, like we just got through rewriting the history of the symbiotes, um, you know, and the Hulk's anger management issues have been explored ad nauseum. Is there any ground for new stuff with those or will it just have to be completely visionary? I, I, I don't know. I look, I will say this, like when, when Al Ewing started the immortal Hulk, that first issue, we read it and reviewed on podcasts. And I said, this just feels like a retread. It feels like I've seen this, done this. I'm not excited for it. Uh, I was definitely short-sighted because having read like the first 20 some odd issues, it's a phenomenal book. I know Clark, you mm -hmm. fucking love it. I, I need to get in and, re and read, read more of it. And it's coming to an end soon. So it's like, I don't think I'm visionary enough to understand what these creators will do. Venom has never been a favorite character of mine. The only reason I even liked the last run is what Donnie Cage was able to do with, with uh, the culmination in null. Um, you know, uh, like maybe Al Ewing and Rom V could do something really cool with him. I don't know um they're both talented but it's just it's not a character i look forward to and hulk like i normally don't like the character when he's written stupidly like there's got to be him like kind of having like some cunning and intelligence the hulk smash hulk is not interesting as the lead of his own book i mostly just would like um carnage to not be involved at all i agree with that too different. I like Venom, cannot stand Carnage. He's boring and annoying and uh, fuck him. Fuck him, Dynafire. Are there any of those, because I feel like all of the, you know, kind of symbiote spinoffs uh, from Venom are just like, how do we make Venom crazier? How do we make him worse or different in some way? And that they're, they're, all, they're all foils to a character that I also have not really loved. Are there any of them that would be more interesting to see, you know, added to the story or... Is it just going to be like Dylan and the cat? What? Well, they've been oh. killing off some and they have, they've had one shots in the last couple, like month or so. And they're continuing, they're killing off a lot of those excess characters. I do think of like bringing in like Flash Thompson and like what he ended up becoming at the end of Kate's run um, mm -hmm. would be, would be interesting. I do love Dylan. I do love his like crazy, not cat cat. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but um, yeah, if we can we explore know, a little bit of that. Why not? Do we know which Venom he's they're doing? Um, I don't think I so. Think They've only, I think they only obliquely said that it's going to be about the the symbiotes and their their impact. But there there was going to be something that has to do with you know the oh. Venom mantle being the King of Black. Well, we'll find out. 
Well, we'll yep. find out. We'll just wait and see. Um, moving on, for those of you who haven't seen it, you're the reason Netflix has decided to cancel the show Jupiter's Legacy, which follows fake old superheroes and young fake people who are just who just keep realizing things have changed. They're not the same as they used to be. Allegedly, Netflix isn't done with the universe entirely as they plan on making a villain spinoff called Super Crooks, also terrible name. Um, this show is so bad that we won't review it. And we reviewed Wonder Woman 1984. So <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you watch it? I watched all of it. I watched I, it. It is unnecessary. It's atrocious. Why do their cod pieces, why, does, why do they make it look like their dicks have like a flat anvil structure? If you look at the cod pieces, it's so weird. Kayla. <laughs> Mark, Mark Millar, or Mark Miller, however you pronounce his last name, is such a fucking hack. He was good at one point, and then I think like fame or whatever got to his head. He became a victim of his own success. But all of his comics in the last 15 to 20 years have been nothing more than just uh, like high concept proposals that are somehow fleshed out with amazing artists. And sometimes when you have a good director, like the guy who did Kick-Ass and um, Kingsman, uh, is it Matthew Vaughn? Is that the director's name? Yeah. Um, like when you have someone like that who can like take, you know, uh, punch it up, make it really interesting and funny, uh, like those concepts can not necessarily sing, but they can be very entertaining to watch. Whoever was by, behind Jupiter's legacy were, was not Matthew Vaughn. It was not somebody of that caliber. And so you're taking a shitty concept from a shitty creator and putting, making a shitty TV show out of it. Like, I'm glad, I'm glad it's canceled. Uh, whoever uh, decided on Netflix to do the whole Millar world stuff, like y'all are, that's just dumb. You're, you're fucking dumb. You shouldn't do this again. You should not be involved in production. It's terrible, and everyone looks like they're like about to do community theater. <laughs> like it, it's it it's like makeup that's uh, that, that tries to age people up. They all look like really young people <laughs> who are like fake old. Like bitch, I can see your wig line. So Joshua Jumel, it's just awful, and none of the acting you know can get over the terrible lines like they literally four times every episode talk about how things have changed you know we we live in a different world now things are different and they refuse to show you what any of that fucking means mm-hmm. i hate this show i am so I'm glad so it, it's canceled <laughs> all right uh let's do some uh yeah i don't i i just want to talk about how much i hate that show maybe we will <laughs> review it <laughs> Um, so (laughs) it looks like the last few lead roles for Netflix's Sandman adaptation have been cast Uh, joining are Kilby Howell Baptiste who was in The Good Place, Barry and Killing Eve as she'll be playing uh, Death and Mason Alexander Park who is uh, in Hedwidge in the Angry Inch on Broadway Uh, they will be playing Desire and also Patton Oswalt as Matthew the Raven um, I don't know if you saw any of this, but there was some people on Twitter who weren't happy with these choices. They didn't like a non-binary person cast in a non-binary role. And they also thought death should be white. Um, but Twitter's a shithole. And I don't we want to know that death is white. 
Yeah. I mean, the, the, the white people have killed more than any other people. So yes. look, it's a fair, it's a fair criticism. Um, you know, <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's super weird because, uh, you know, in the stories, if you've read them, death takes on many forms. Uh, I, I think that uh, Kirby Howell Baptiste is just a fantastic actress. Mm-hmm. She's super hilarious, um, but can also do drama well. Uh, what did you think of any of these choices? Uh, I mean, I just want to talk about her for six hours. I mean, her Simone was fantastic and a good place. You know, usually a character that gets in between two faded lovers you hate. No, I fucking yeah. supported her more than anybody else at that point. I'm not she was so her. reasonable. She was no, so she funny. Was. She, was the, she was. I fucking loved her. Um, so, ha, did, so the movie Cruella just came out. This is not like a total aside, but uh, just came out um, last weekend. And I saw it in the drive-in with my parents. And she, is, she plays Anita, um, who is a, a racially flipped version of, you know, the mother, you know, the dog owner mother in um, the original. Um, and she's fucking wonderful in it and hilarious. And I, I, everyone should watch that movie. It's surprisingly good for how bad it seems like it's going to be. Um, I think that, you know, as far as the casting choices go, I don't, I have never seen uh, Mason Alexander Park perform, so I couldn't comment on their performances. Um, Pat Oswalt, I <laughs> love, he is a very funny comedian, but he is not a great actor and he's not a good voice actor either, I don't think. It sounds, he's done such a good job of defining what Pat Oswalt's voice sounds like that every character just sounds like oh, yeah. they got him to do stand-up set as, you know, in, as that character. Oh, sorry. That's what okay. I was talking oh. about with, um, when we talked about, is he back? Oh, sorry. I didn't need to see you anymore. Um, when, when we were talking about, whatchamacallit, uh, Invincible, where I thought there were some two of their voices really just, that was J.K. Simmons being J.K. Simmons. Um, and I, uh, did you ever see, happy exclamation point yeah i i, I like that i don't think i need to have another patent oswald playing a magical creature sorry Kate, we, were, because we reviewed happy on this podcast <laughs> we talked about happy on on no, this didn't. podcast no, we yes we did Kaylin. No, <laughs> uh, i'm not gonna get in the middle of this uh, uh argument but um i agree <laughs> with you about patent oswald being too patent oswald e like it's clearly like just his voice um, but Matthew the Raven, um, having read the um, Sandman comics, like reading some of those like issues again, where like he's like really prominent, uh, like I can hear Pat Oswalt saying that because like he's basically the character that tells the rest of the cast like, "What the fuck are you doing?" He is like he is like the sane one in this sort of craziness. Like he's like the most grounded, down to earth person, even though he is a raven used to be a human being, you know, got reborn as a raven because of shit that happened in Swamp Thing. Uh, you probably remember Brent. He was uh, Abigail Arcane's uh, first husband. Um, so uh, I, I, I think it could work. I am actually very excited about uh, Mason Alexander Park, uh, not because I've seen them in anything, but the fact that there is a non-binary actor playing Desire is 100% the right way to go. Uh, Desire is completely gender fluid, completely non-binary, appears as both a man and a woman, has both male and female attributes uh, in the comic. And the fact that they are doing this makes me so fucking happy. And so 
anybody who is shitting on this, like they can go fuck themselves because they're missing the entire point mm -hmm. of the comic book. Um, yeah. The, so let's go on. Uh, we're running out of time. Akoye played by Danae, blah, Akoye, who is uh, played by Danae Guerrera, will be getting her own series on Disney+. Plus. Um, the details are limited. We do know, for example, it'll be an origin story, but it's not clear if this will be part of or the entirety of Ryan Coogler's kind of Wakanda TV series deal with Disney. Um, how are y'all feeling about this? Um, you know, what do you think, Kayla? More Okoye, the better. I just, mm -hmm. I, can't, I, couldn't be, I couldn't be happier. She's one of my favorite characters in the MCU, period. The more we get about Wakanda in any, any, any form on Disney+, Plus, in the theaters, all of the above, just, I'm, I'm fucking thrilled. Do you think there's something about, like, you know, hearing it's going to be an origin story when the Marvel Cinematic Universe has so many of these? Um, is there any concern you have about getting yet another origin story for a character we've already seen? Or is there some way that the, the format of TV is going to make it easier? Well, I, I'm, you know, I didn't realize this was going to be an origin story until you mentioned it. But um, I... I think if they can find a way to make it about the origin of the Dora Milaje, I think I would enjoy that more than just like the origin of Okoye. Like she was born, she grew up in Wakanda, she became, you know, like the head of the Dora Milaje. I mean, maybe that's happening, but like going into like their, like their culture, their traditions, going into the background of how they became this badass elite force that, you know, are there to protect the monarch of Wakanda. I think I would love to see that. I mean, I'm fine with an origin story if it doesn't take place in the United States in some middle class or upper class family. That's, that's all we see, the same shit over and over again, or lower class as well. But, you know, this is going to be different because it's totally different culture, different worldview, different everything. I don't care if it's an origin story in that case. Um, Clark, are you excited for uh, the origin story of how they withheld cancer treatment from everyone? Um, um, yeah. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> all right, let's move. I forgot. I forgot. Let's continue on. Uh, Clark, you got something. I got something. Watch out. We kept switching since we lost humans this time. It's been only three of us. So I'm switching it up. I switch it up a little bit. All right. Number one, uh, the reason I wanted us to do the, um, also not just the HBO Max situation uh, and Dis Discovery, but uh, HBO, I mean, excuse me, Amazon buying MGM um, has got me rethinking about companies taking over each other's companies. Um, I was wondering what, it doesn't have to be media. It doesn't have to be anything. What two large companies do you want to see or would you want to see in a humorous fashion, fashion even have a merger? Well, I really don't think there's any conglomerates yet for uh, marijuana distribution. But when there are, I want them to merge with fast food companies and mm -hmm. streamline the process a lot. So that like, if I'm going to get like Uber Eats, I want it to come with edibles already. I like that. Uh, for me, uh, I would like Greenpeace to take over Tesla. Uh, so all their profits end up going to like saving the whales. I would like whaling to take over Greenpeace. So all of Greenpeace's <laughs> actions gives money to whaling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's I don't circle know. If of life. A, circle of is life. That a, is that a horizontal uh, organizational structure or is it vertical? <laughs> vertical integration? <laughs> it's a pentagram. 
I mean, yeah. you're getting money from, you know, the blubber and stuff. But you're also getting money from people donating to Greenpeace, you see? You see? I, it's... I, I, I do see. I see it now. <laughs> and we charge them <laughs> twice for it. Um, now they're once again toppling all sorts of dominoes. Where, what do you think is going to happen? Like, which companies are going to be the final company standing media-wise? Disney, Amazon, and some future version of like time warner whatever that looks like where, where where's netflix gonna go in that situation since it's currently uh, fuck i don't know i think disney buys it. so it, it, it's it's a strange company that doesn't seem like why not why does it exist but it's not like any others at all and you it is it's at some point it's someone like, else will buy it yeah it's this it's its own thing that like it's like it's kind of like the success story from like the 2000s you know, like a, a DVD distribution rental company turning into like like a media powerhouse. It's kind of amazing. It'll be interesting to see when we start to hit like meaningful threshold markers on like antitrust violations because mm -hmm. it's already getting so extreme with, you know, who can buy what company and how little the bar is on like market share or com competitiveness that, allows these massive mergers to go through yeah there's there's a lot of talk right now about comcast and paramount to joining forces which would basically be cbs and nbc nbc buying cbs which would also be an issue because once again they can't own two companies just like disney couldn't own abc and fox so they're gonna have right. to do that and cbs will have to figure itself out again so that's supposedly the next big thing. Anyways, my final question is what celebrity- Wait, 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 before you go into that, because I do, I, uh, that people are people are talking about Comcast and Paramount. Makes me think like there's people, you know how there's like Dom fetishists who are like financial <laughs> fetishists where they're like, yeah, dominate me financially. Like there's someone who's like, he, they look at uh, companies and they're like shipping their relationships. They're like, oh my gosh, I would love it if Comcast and Paramount get together. Like, wouldn't they be so cute? I can't wait for Apple and, you know, Apple and, and Time Warner Cable. Like, oh, my God, they would be so hot together. Amazing. I thought you were going to say, like, I want to see the peacock from Peacock, like, dominate some SpongeBob SquarePants or something. <laughs> oh, well, that was an implied. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Um, Brent, what celebrity has most likely fucked a bagel? Kaylin. Jason Statham. Jason oh. Statham. The and transporter? Yeah. I, I think he's that guy's that guy's fucked a bagel on a dare. I'd see it. I think I don't think he fucked it on a dare. I was gonna say Shia LaBeouf, and I think he harassed that bagel first, <laughs> and it was non-consensual. <laughs> yeah, that one I don't want to see, and I would I wouldn't even see that on a dare. Yeah. I'd say Polly Shore probably's done it about 40 times in his life. But it's right a goof. Now. It's a joke. That's what he's saying, but that's actually... Buddy. Yeah. So what's Park going Park. on in the trailer park? I mean, that wasn't a joke, but actually probably he lives in a trailer park and he's fucking a bagel in the trailer park. Anyways. Yeah, okay. Well, that was Clark's got some uh, right into us. What celebrities you think have fucked a bagel. Uh, our Twitter is homo superior X. Um, tag Kaylin in it. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Eternals. <laughs> We finally got a trailer for the Eternals and boy, are they depressed with a gray filter. Uh, what did you guys think? Uh, were you happy for the giant ominous triangle? Uh, I think it looks 
Interesting. I mean, I really do think uh, Chloe Zhao is a phenomenal director, um, you know, having seen Nomadland. So I'm excited to see what she does. I think the cast looks great. It looks a little, I'm a little worried about like the comparisons to the Inhumans, which we know is Marvel's big flop from a few years ago. Obviously there's a lot more money and talent involved in this, but like this whole like sort of separate society from, you know, humans, they've like watched them, they've helped them, but not interfered. You know, we've had some questions and jokes about that. The only thing I didn't like about the trailer was the jokey coda at the end to remind people, hey, this is still a Marvel movie. We still got quips, you know, where they're sitting around the table and Mm -hmm. you've got, um, yeah, you've got like, uh, oh gosh, uh, who's the little, uh, the Sprite character? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Basically saying like, well, now with Tony Stark and Steve Rogers gone, who do you think is leading the Avengers? And you've got Icarus basically saying, well, I go lead them. (laughs) I was like, this was unnecessary. It was like, it was a completely like uh, extraneous part of the trailer, but I see why they did it. I mean, I like the, oh, sorry. Uh, I like the look that, you know, there's a part of it that kind of makes it feel almost like a Ridley Scott type movie where, you know, there's this ominous alien entity and, um you know, the reason why they haven't, you know, interrupted human affairs is because they're kind of creepy dicks who just like to watch. Clark? I'm excited for them to dig into the history of the Marvel Universe. I always loved some deep dive, like diving to what happened 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, etc. I don't want to go to, you know, 1 million BC like they're doing in the fucking Avengers comics right now. But I right. want to know about the world, how it was created. So it's not just you know, here's Tony Stark, and that's the most important thing in the history of, the, you know, the Marvel Universe. I want all this kind of stuff. And Jimmy Chan can do no wrong, so seeing her in a- anything means it's the best thing I've seen all day. I mean, it definitely looks interesting overall. Um, I, I'm excited for it, but maybe that's because I'm so starved for Marvel movies in general. Same. Um, so that's been our episode. Uh, happy Pride, everyone. Be sure to check out all of our Pride content this month on Twitter at X and Instagram at Podcast. We've got the drinks for alcoholics uh, at Bar Sinister. Vicky and Kiana talking more has a new episode. Uh, and check out our extra issue reviewing the fourth season of Castlevania on Netflix. You'll like it. I promise it's so much fun. Uh, rate and review us if you like us, if you hate us. I don't know why you listen to this point of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> we've been Homo Superior. Go fuck a bagel. And please, please, please watch Vicky and Kiana, or I swear to God, Brent will kill us. Please, I'll kill myself. Please, I'm, not, I'm joking about that, but <laughs> but please watch. Please, I need attention. <laughs> I mean, he can kill himself, but he's going to kill us if you don't watch it. Okay, turn this off. Suicide.